All right, let's take out our Bibles and find Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. And in a, a little bit here, we are going to land on verses 4 and 5 from Romans 4. But I decided to do something just a little bit different. And I'm going to talk about work for a little bit, with this being Labor Day, and then I'm going to masterfully tie it into verses 4 and 5 of Romans 4, as you will see and you will all applaud when it is done, and, or maybe not, I don't know. But let's do that. Let's read Romans 4 in the first five verses, and then like usual, we'll pray and we'll jump in to the message. And then, and what, or what then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Let's just pause and ask God's blessing on the word preached. Father, as always, we need to come before you before we read the word and especially preach the word because Father I am dependent on your spirit's gifting to say the right things that are true and profitable and say them in the right way and everyone listening now and looking at scripture with me here we need the spirit's enlightening, uh, enlightenment in us and our hearts and minds and uh, showing us truth and and leading us to right decisions and working in our souls what needs to be worked. And so I'm pleading with you to do that for us, God, all of us now, what is needed. And uh, because we depend upon you and we delight in your word. And so I pray that those two things would come together now by your grace. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So with this being Labor Day weekend, I kind of wanted to make a connection to the verse, especially verse 5, where we'll land. In our study, we've pretty much worked our way up to that point, and um, next week, Lord willing, we'll jump into verse 6 and keep going through this very important chapter here. But there is a connection here, as I'll show you, between... Labor Day and work, and I want to talk about that and then make our way into verse 5, and maybe you already can make that connection pretty easily. But I did a little research again this weekend just to determine what Labor Day was all about, because for most of us, it just seems the transition from summer to fall, and the last hoorah for many of our congregation that are out camping even right now, which is why our auditorium's half empty or if you're an optimist, it's half full. Either way, there's a lot of people who are gone. 
and they're enjoying this holiday celebration. But according to one of the government websites, in describing Labor Day and a little of its history, it says this, Labor Day is an annual celebration of the social and economic achievement of American workers. The holiday is rooted in the late 19th century when labor activists pushed for a federal holiday to recognize the many contributions workers have made to America's strength, prosperity, and well-being. So back in the 19th century, there was this rise in the labor movement, and uh, there was some... uh, fighting for rights of American workers and employees and such. And there needed to be a holiday set aside to honor the advancements and the, the contribution that people make every day in the workforce as they're about doing whatever they are employed doing. Historically now, The United States has celebrated hard work. And actually, historically, hard work has often been rewarded in various ways. And I'm arguing this morning for the first aspect of our marriage, not our marriage, but our message. (laughs) My mind's a little confused on this holiday weekend. But I am arguing that Christians should maintain this enthusiastic view of work and labor because it comes from God. What I think Christian people in the United States need is a good theology of employment and a theology of work that gets expressed out into their daily lives. God expects and commands his people to work. As a matter of fact, working is something we, working and working well and working with the right attitude and various kinds of work and employment uh, is what we are to be known for, essentially. What we'll find, and let me have you turn right to the beginning of the Bible, and let me show you this, is that work is good and right and biblical because it comes from God. And I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 1 is the creation account of the six days of creation and the seventh day upon which God rested. He created human beings on the seventh day, or sixth day, and on the sixth day, or Genesis chapter 2, zeroes in on that sixth day of creation. So it kind of backs up. So in Genesis 1, you have the whole creation out. Genesis 2 hones in on that sixth day of creation, which is really virtually the most important day for a number of reasons. But look at this in the beginning here of Genesis 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work 
that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day, made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. What's emphasized there is that God worked when he created. That God created, and what Moses is calling it is work. God works is what God does. It's an aspect of his being. He works, and that is evidence in the, what we call, the works of creation. When you look about at creation now, you glorify God in it because it is his works on display. So God works and therefore, right, work is good and it comes from God. But it doesn't end there in the beginning. Look at Genesis 2. So he makes, he makes Adam here. And look at verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Right from the beginning, one of the core aspects of being a human being made in the image of God is that God designed you and intended you to work wherever he has placed you. And part of who we are are workers who produce things and cultivate things and keep things and restore things and invent things. All of that comes from God, you see. as people who are made in his image. And therefore, we as human beings are to be workers. And we need to recondition our thinking at times to remind ourselves that work comes from God and work is good. As a matter of fact, in chapter 1 of Genesis and in verse 31, there is this reminder. God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. Including Adam and including his capacity and command to work and keep and cultivate the, uh, the garden that God had made to do his daily diligence and duties. Work is good, and we need to be reminded of that. We, oftentimes, the very, the very word work for some of us, at some times especially, we hear the word work, and we immediately think, work is bad. So if you do word association games, and I say, I'm going to throw out a word to you, and then you tell me the first thing that pops into your mind, and I say work, you might think bad. <laughs> you might think work, and you're thinking weekend, right? <laughs> but we need to remember that work is good, and it comes from God, and he expects his people who are known by his name to be a working people. Now, so Labor Day is a good holiday in and of itself, and it's a good thing to be reminded of and to really celebrate um, work and contribution to society through work. Now, let me just give a kind of a caveat here. 
I don't want to just think about work in the concept of you go out for an employer and you clock in and the employer pays you for the work you do. That's a large part of what I'm talking about here. But we do mean to understand that uh, there is work to do outside of the workplace and, and things like your home and different things. And as we'll talk about even in a few minutes in the works of ministry and such. But in addition to that, I want to make sure I honor and respect uh, God's primary design in the family that the, the, the husband be a, uh, uh, and father be a primary caregiver and the wife uh, and mother at times stays home with her children, especially when they're younger, and that is considered work. As a matter of fact, God calls it such in Titus chapter 2 when he says this, Titus chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine, and they are to teach what is good. What is good in this context? Well, here it is. This is what they're to be teaching the younger women in the church. So train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, and catch this, working at home. Literally, be home workers. In other words, when they're home with their children, that is work. When they're caring for the home, that is work. That's acknowledged, even though they're not getting a paycheck. And I don't think husbands should be giving their wives allowances. That is degrading, honestly, if I'm, if I'm being honest. They are working. They're co-labors with you. They are the, the old-fashioned words, the help me to the husband, helping him as he goes out and endeavors in the workplace, and they are working at home. But it is, it is work nonetheless as anyone who has taken care of a home and multiple children or even just one child can attest. It is work. So I wanted to put that caveat in there. But the biblical foundation for work, the theology of work begins with God. It begins with his works of creation. It begins with him instilling in the human being the ability to do work and to be productive and to cultivate and keep whatever area of responsibility he has placed you in. It comes from God and therefore it is good. Did you know that when God established a society of people, his own nation, Israel, that he was going to lead over, and he's giving them laws and commands, and he gives them the top 10 laws of the 10 commandments, right? And in it, it, there is written this, Exodus 20, verses eight to 10. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. When God wanted to establish a nation that would be called by his name, that would be known by his name, he established it with, get this, a six-day work week out of seven days. He is a God who wants his people to be working to the extent when he says, now my society of people, you are going to work for six days of the week, and then yes, you are going to rest on the seventh day. He wants his people working. I think part of the problem 
that we all experience, and I am certainly not throwing stones at anyone, is that we tend to think that we are living primarily for entertainment and fun and that we're working only and exclusively so that we can afford to have more entertainment and fun. I used to tell my kids when they're doing things they don't want to do, I said, life is 90% doing things you'd rather not be doing and only 10% of doing something you really enjoy. And frankly, that's the way it's supposed to be. We are to be a working people. We're not just living for the weekend. We are to be working uh, in this life that God has given us. This is how he has created us. Now, the problem that we have with work is itself a theological problem as well. Because back again in the beginning, in Genesis 3, something happened... In Genesis 3, that now makes work a challenge. It makes work hard and difficult. And it makes work not always as enjoyable for us as it would have been for Adam and Eve in the very beginning. And that, of course, is the fall. And sin comes in. And sin does what it always does. It ruins everything. And it distorts everything. And look at this in chapter 3 and look at verse 17. Now they had sinned here. They had disobeyed God and they ate the fruit they were commanded not to eat. And look at verse 17. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. You'll notice now, in order to eat, in order to make a living now, things get more difficult because God cursed the ground because of the sin. So you have things like this. He's saying you'll, you'll, you'll have sweat now in your work. Why is that? Because you're in a fallen body now. And there's resistance to the work now. Your body is going to feel the, uh, the effects of the labor that you do. This could be physical for many people with physical jobs, this resistance. It can be mental. It can be fatigue. Some of you in jobs that maybe aren't physical, but yet you're trying to do something that, that requires concentration and you haven't slept enough and you're exhausted and you're tired and you just can't do it. That's all part of the resistance now that is part of the fall that wouldn't have been there prior to it. There are thorns and things that come from the ground. If you've ever done any kind of uh, agricultural work, gardening, you reach your hand in and you get jabbed with thorns. The idea is now work can hurt. And injuries are, we're susceptible to it. There's various types of things. If you work with people, sometimes people are those thorns. This is all why you have bad days at work now. That's because of the fall. 
but throughout the rest of Scripture, work still remains in and of itself a good thing and a commanded thing of God that he intends for his people to do and to do well and to be known for how well they do their work. It's very important, Christian people. God takes work seriously, and so should we. He wants us to be known as a people who work and earn their own money and pay their own bills and put food on their own tables. The Apostle Paul planted the church in Thessalonica, that city, that ancient city, Thessalonica. He plants a church there. And uh, there must have been a real problem with people not working in that that city and in that area. Because Paul, even as he was working among the, the people there, he's planting the church, he didn't do what he had every right as an apostle to do. He didn't take money from them to support him in his preaching and teaching ministry. That is a right that is given to uh, pastors and to uh, missionaries. Those who are preaching the gospel should make their living by the gospel. This is something Paul taught. Jesus himself said the labor is worthy of his wages. However, Paul decided to work while he was there and in other places to not be a stumbling block. He didn't want to appear that what he was doing, he was doing for the money. He's evangelizing these people. So he uh, worked in the the tent-making business. But he's writing to the Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians because apparently some among the, in the church were refusing to work and get jobs. And so Paul said this, For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. This was a regular teaching from the Apostle Paul. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work like you should be, but busy bodies. Now such persons... We command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. Remember, work is good, so as you're doing it, don't grow weary in it. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and listen to this and have nothing to do with him that he may be ashamed In other words, Paul is saying, if somebody is refusing to work, somebody calling themselves a brother, you take note of that person and shun them. You say, well, if we do that, they'll be ashamed. And Paul says, exactly. They should be ashamed of themselves. Refusing to work and to do what is good. You are not to be supporting such people. Do not even let them eat. You're not providing their food for them. This is, comes from God, doesn't it? Because they are not living as brothers and sisters in Christ in accordance with God's design for them, and therefore they are not glorifying God by simply mooching off of the rest of the congregation. That's not right. It often takes wisdom, doesn't it, within the context of a local church to know when we would apply something like this because, of course, there are many other scriptures that say that we want to help the poor. 
and we want to help those who are downcast, and we want to provide material goods for brothers and sisters who are in trouble. But for a person who's just not willing to work, they shouldn't eat. And the church is not to be enabling them in their sinful lifestyle against God. The Proverbs, of course, have much to say to pertinent Proverbs that apply to this. Proverbs 12, 11, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. By the way, young people, don't pursue worthless pursuits. In all your endeavors... Endeavor to have a real job. And social media star is not a real job. You're not going to be the next great singer or actor. You need to have real viable employment to pay your bills and support your family. Proverbs 14, 23, in all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. People who are always talking about getting a job or what they're going to do, they just never seem to land one. We need to be a people who are working, and when we work, we should have the right attitude. Now, here is where I am. I wish my wife was in children's church right now because I don't always have the right attitude, especially working around the house with different things. So I was deeply convicted and even thought about taking this point out, and I thought, that's not a good idea. (laughs) I cannot do that. Colossians chapter 3. Now, this one is interesting because it's actually talking to bondservants. Uh, That is, slaves of the first century who were more than employees. I mean, they, there was an ownership situation going on to some degree with the person that was their uh, kurios or, or lord or master. And Paul says, whatever you do, whatever it is, no matter how menial the task, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. That, that word work heartily, Literally, from the soul. Think about that. Out of the soul, do your work, whatever it is. Knowing that, and in the context, your work, that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. The inheritance is your eternal life, your portion in heaven. Man, doesn't that make your everyday job take on a new meaning when it connects to your, your place in the coming kingdom? That God isn't your work for, the, for whoever you're working for here is ultimately for the Lord, and it doesn't escape his attention at all. He's seen it. You are serving the Lord Christ. What an important reminder. We're not serving that that earthly employer, we're serving Jesus when we're working in our employment. And by the way, we we want to get rid, as much as we can, of this um, over-distinction between what we might call full-time ministry 
um, pastoral work, missions work, and working whatever job you have. Because there might be some distinctions, but in the main, the mindset's the same. God's seen it the same. You're serving Christ the same in whatever capacity you're in. Or Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 to 15, do all things without grumbling or disputing. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights as the world. What's going to make you shine as a light in your workplace, friends, is that you don't join in your coworkers with grumbling and complaining. I mean, think about that. Isn't that what this is teaching? Do all things without grumbling and complaining. So if you're at work, everybody's complaining and you're not. It's going to be like, you're going to be like a light shining in that place. They might get irritated at you when they can't get you on the bandwagon. And I know because I didn't go into full-time pastoral work till I was 36, had many, many, many jobs up until that point, and I know how easy it is to just get into that complaining mind, and everybody's standing around talking about what they should or shouldn't have to do or what the boss is doing or what have you, but we are to be different. This is one of the ways we show our difference, right? Okay, so even the attitude of work is something that is important. So God wants us to be a people who work and earn a living and do so in such a way that he is glorified by the way we work And again, I'm including that not just out in the workplace, but also in the home. He created us to work. God values work and honors work among his people. And not only that, but Christians are called to do what we'll call gospel work, right? Good works of service and ministry to God and to his people. As a matter of fact, this is one of the things the cross secured. Titus 2, verse 14, Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. And the emphasis on good works in the scripture is good works of love for other people. Works of serving the body of Christ doing good works. People are actually zealous to do it, but I think the key word within areas of ministry and service is the word work. Serving is work. It is interesting. Sometimes we might volunteer for a service or something we want to do, and as soon as it becomes work, we're like, well, wait a minute. I don't want to do this anymore. This is work. Well, yes, that's what it is. It is good. These are good works of service that we are saved and called to do. As a matter of fact, Matthew 5, 16, Jesus taught it. He said, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Good works are part of what we're to be doing. That will take our energy and our time and our emotions and everything that just your regular job or what you do in your home is going to require of you. It's going to require that work to be done. So that's why Paul can say at almost the conclusion of his letter to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, he says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, listen, 
always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. There you have it. Your work in the Lord, your labor is not in vain, both in the same verse. And he's saying, now keep doing this. Be steadfast and immovable. And it was all in the context of Christ's return and our glorification with Christ. So don't stop now because it's not in vain what you do in your service and in your good works. It's not in vain. Keep doing it. Keep pressing on until Christ returns. So God expects us to be a working people. And when we are a willing, unworking person. In other words, there are times you lose your job. I get that. There are times you're injured and can't work or your different health doesn't allow you to do the things maybe that you used to do. We understand that, of course, I hope. But when you're not willing to work, that is actual sin. God frowns upon it and the church should as well. And we are to be a people who are working uh, in our jobs, in our homes, and and in the church. We're We're a working people. So God honors work and he expects work for us and hard work is rewarded by God himself. So we approach work with that theology but there is one point of theology in which your work to any degree is not accepted. Not one ounce of energy coming from you, not one ounce of trying coming from you, not one little point of I'm going to do this good work, none of it is accepted by God in one point of theology, and it's what we've been studying in Romans, and it is the doctrine of justification at the point at which God declares you righteous, we just read it earlier, it is apart from works or work or effort or anything. That's Romans 4 and verse 5. Look at this. And to the one, well, first of all, verse 4, now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift but as due. We looked at that last time. God would owe you justification. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith, not his works, is counted as righteousness. Friends, you remember we talked about the the seven-day week that God established for Israel. Six days now you do all your work. But that one special day, the Sabbath day, the word means rest. Now on that day, you don't do any work at all. And primarily what they were to be doing is just looking to God. Passively looking in faith to God. What is that pointing towards? Friends, that is pointing towards you and I when we want to be justified with God. We don't approach God with any of our works or our goodness or our effort or our track record. As a matter of fact, the only thing, according to Romans 4, verse 5, that we would approach Him with is our ungodliness. 
because the only people that God justifies, catch this, because it is, it sounds so dramatically counterintuitive. The only people God justifies are ungodly people who have done no good works at all, but they look to Jesus, and friends, they rest in his works for them. You are called to a Sabbath rest when it comes to being right with God, to looking exclusively by faith, resting in. That's what really faith is. It says, I'm done now striving. I'm done working to make God happy with me. I can't do it anyway. Uh, God even said, Jesus even said, you must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And you say, I can't do it. I can't work for this. I'm done working. I'm looking to Jesus now and I'm resting in what he has done for me. He lived for me. He died for my sins and he rose again and I'm trusting in him. And when you do that, then God credits that faith to your account as righteousness and he declares you once for all in that moment justified. So God honors work. God wants his people working in every other area of life, including our spiritual growth and growth into Christ-likeness. Every area of life except for this one. And that is how you are right with God. Faith in Jesus Christ alone, apart from any works that we do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for how clear